Good morning, everyone. I hope you are well and uh, handling the continuing pandemic well. I especially pray that you are uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to live by faith and not by fear and uh, trusting our Lord in all things. Uh, Got to tell you a story this morning as we start out. My life has been different for the last two and a half weeks in a very small way, uh, but exciting way for me as uh, just about every day for the last two and a half weeks, I have got to watch a nest of hawks uh, in the pine tree above my office and watch them uh, develop, watch them interact, listen to them make bird noises, <laughs> hawk noises, shall I say, which I will not imitate for you. Uh, but it's, it, the exciting part about it is that these hawks ex existed and this nest, exi nest existed without me even knowing about it. Uh, and the whole story starts about two months ago or more where there was another nest of hawks out in, the, in another part of our property. Uh, at this point, the young ones were out of the nest. I, I, I found the nest, I located it, uh, and as the, the young ones you know, left the nest, so to speak, literally, uh, one of them stayed, I assume it to be the mother, and I would hear her in the back, and I would get close to her, and then I would hear her uh, in the pine trees uh, above my office, and I would see, the, uh, see her moving around. Uh, we would sit in the yard with friends and would watch and marvel how close she got. Then one day, about two and a half weeks ago, I'm in the, in the pool with William Alford. Alford. Uh, we're swimming, and I noticed this, this hawk fly in, and it doesn't leave. And I knew there were some abandoned nests up there. Uh, there was four that I knew of. And so eventually I went over there and I found this fifth nest, 50 feet in the air, with three young ones in it. And just incredible to watch. And I've, I, anybody that's come to the house knows, do you want to see the hawks? I bring them over to the tree. I've got binoculars if you want to see close. And I say, it's not often that you get to see a nest of hawks and watching them grow up, and even though they're 50 foot in the air, that's close range. How often can a person do that on a daily basis? And it's been very exciting to watch them eventually come out of the nest and watch them test their wings and watch them eventually go up the branch and then from branch to branch and then to a branch in another tree. And uh, finally this morning, I saw one of them in another tree 30 or 40 yards away. And... Uh, I, knew, I assume it was one of the young ones because it wasn't flying off. It was just flying from branch to branch. And guys, the whole point of this is it's a real simple thing. I just consider it a, a distraction from the normal stresses of life for me. But the truth of the matter is that this whole thing started and began without me even knowing about it. And if I had not have been paying attention, had not have been curious enough to go to the lengths that I did, all this would have been happening without me knowing about it. Literally, feet from, from where I spend large chunks of my time every day. And guys, that's what we want to talk about today. Okay? Uh, you probably already see from your notes, if you pulled them up, that the new normal we're talking about today is seeing the unseen. And specifically the unseen realm. There's a passage of scripture that this is, 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 is taken from. Whereas the, uh, let me say, the most popular passage that this unseen realm is talked about is in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. 
I have it in two different translations in your notes. We're going to be reading the first one in the Amplified uh, translation. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. In the, in the New Living Translation, it says that our struggle is against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Now, that sounds very ominous when you look at it. Okay, powers, authorities, evil rulers that you can't see. Okay, sounds like a comic book when you first look at it. But the truth of the matter is, and the reality of the situation is, and this is what we're talking about today, is that the Bible talks not only extensively, it's from beginning to end. This unseen realm is displayed for us, opened up for us to to get glimpses of. Uh, And it's a reality that God has presented to us uh, that we need to know about. He expects us to know about it, and it is a major factor in how we understand the world we live in, as well as how we exercise our faith. You see, a lot of these stories I'm going to reference, a lot of times we look at them and go, I don't know what's going on there, but what can I learn from what it's talked about? And we ultimately look at all these passages and these different stories, these different glimpses into the unseen realm, and we approach them as if God just needed some filler in the Bible. (laughs) You know, He just needed something to fill it up. And we tend to ignore them and and not give them the attention and the credit they're due and how it affects us. And uh, guys, I'm going to list through a lot of these. There's 12 scriptural references in the notes of passages that clearly talk about the unseen realm, and their influence over the world we live in. The first one, and I believe is probably maybe the most popular, is in the book of Job. And uh, specifically, you want to look at the first two chapters and about the last five chapters. But the first two is what intrigues us the most because it it gives a scene of what is described as a heavenly... uh, uh, God is gathering with the heavenly host, uh, where He is gathering with the spiritual beings in the unseen realms, and it tells us very specifically that Satan, the great accuser, is there. And what's he doing? He's accusing Job. He's accusing God. He's living up to his name. Uh, And and you see it going on and him saying, well, God, you've, you've protected Job. You've got a hedge around him. How do you, that's why he's so faithful to you. And God says, well, okay, I'll take the hedge down. Do what you want to him, just don't touch him physically. And in one one fell swoop, the devil causes the death of all of his children, takes away all of his his financial resources, and he loses what financial security he had. Leaves him with only his health and his wife. And he will not curse God. He goes on, uh, and another temptation where where he attacks him physically. you go on, guys, in, in, in Genesis, and I'm sorry, in 2 Kings chapter 22 and in 2 Chronicles 18, you see another such scene where God is again gathered with a group. Some call it a, a divine council, 
of, of heavenly, of spiritual beings. And he's discussing with them this time the unfaithfulness of a man named Ahab and how it's been decreed, it's been decided that it's time for Ahab to die. And they're discussing how can we bring this about? And there, it brings up all kinds of questions that we won't even get into today. Um, don't have time for that. Uh, third thing is, is, the mo- is maybe probably the real, the, the most popular story. You heard about it as a kid anyway. In Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob uh, falls asleep, has a dream, has a vision of angels ascending and descending a stairway or a ladder between heaven and earth. And it became a holy place. I mean, it's like, what's going on with that? I mean, is that in there just to reveal to us? You know, just to, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> is the only purpose for that story to give us a little kid's song? Or is there some other greater significance to it? And I believe, guys, these stories all go together to show us that, the, number one, the heavenly realm exists. And number two, what goes on in that heavenly realm impacts what goes on in this world and more specifically, our individual lives. And we need to be aware of it. Uh, another passage that, that illustrates this, and we'll get to it a little bit later on, is in, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, where it says, we don't want to be unaware of the devil's schemes. And it's plainly saying, guys, that the spiritual beings have influence over this world, and not only do we need to be aware that they do, we need to be aware of how they operate. Now, I'll get to this a little bit later, but I don't want to scare you right now. As I've talked about, it would be, it would, uh, they do have influence. Uh, I do not believe you should fear what we have uh, traditionally referred to as, as demon possession. Um, and some people go, well, if it's possible, then I don't know, I'm afraid of it. I don't think you need to go there because God in all His faithfulness hasn't left us defenseless. He's given us what we need so that we can resist the influences of the evil world. And that is what it's talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we just, we just read. Um, and it, that passage in chapter 6 and verse 12 is, uh, is prefaced in the previous verse by saying let's put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against these powers and against these authorities. So we... We need to understand, and that's my goal, guys, in, in talking about this today. This is, a, this is a big topic, and it's very challenging and very daunting to even to think about talking about in 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And my only goal today is to open our eyes or to ask all of you to hear this, to open your eyes to the reality, okay, and to have a desire to begin to understand it more clearly and more accurately than maybe what you do right now. Because I believe one of the greatest schemes of our, of our enemy, the devil, is to get us to deny the existence of the unseen realm or to get us to pay little attention to it or to understand it in a watered-down way. And so, guys, it's real simple. We just want to talk about you know, the reality of it and we want to talk about how it influences or one way that it influences our life as we know it. Um, you see, guys, there, there's an un, there, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, let me move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Got ahead of my notes. 
You see, guys, I, I say all this because this interaction between the unseen world and the, and the seen world uh, is the context of our very existence. It is the backdrop. And quite literally, we were born into a war. We were born into a spiritual war that we need to understand. We need to understand which side of the war we're going to be on. And we need to understand how it's played out so that we can take our stand as Ephesians 6 talks about. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about two things here that we need to understand about the, the unseen world. So number one is we need to have our eyes open to this reality. I talked earlier about Job and about what was going on with him, and he was a faithful man. Uh, but this is the truth of the matter. In Job's chapter 42 and verse 5, he makes this statement. After God shows up, by the way, he says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And you see, folks, he was a man of incredible faith, a man who lived faithfully to God. In fact, so much so that God bragged about his faithfulness to the devil. Okay, God was impressed with him, but he's saying he hadn't seen God. And his one sin or mistake, however you want to put it in the situation, was he demanded an answer from God for what was going on. And God basically says, who are you to question me? I have no, you have no right to know what I'm up to. But his response is, wow, I've, I've heard of you, now I've seen you. Guys, that's my goal as, as, as we talk about this and as hopefully you follow up with this on your own. There are multiple resources there. Alan and I are talking about having a discussion group following up this, which we've failed to make details of. Hopefully we can get that on the website. Uh, to discuss this further, to where you dig into it. And that's our prayer. Um, and you see, guys, this is the reality. God wants us to know and to see this unseen world. Look, listen to these other passages. Uh, these first ones in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It goes on and it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You see, guys, there's a whole lot in that passage, but the first thing is you need to understand is God expects me and He expects you to have faith, to believe in something, to be assured of something that we can not see. And guys, that is, that is, that is, and it's, it's impossible to please God unless we take that position and we seek Him for it. You see, guys, I believed those hawks were going to be interesting to watch. So I decided to seek out what was going on. And in the same way today, I believe God wants each of us to seek out the reality of the unseen wor world, the unseen realm, and how it impacts us so we can understand it. So we can live, to, live for Him faithfully by trusting that which we cannot see. Uh, he goes on, uh, and Paul taught, tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he goes so far as to say, 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now before, before I go on any farther, guys, I know some of you probably think or may think, you know, that when we start talking about this, we just go to the spectacular. You know, the demon possessed and the witchcraft and ghosts. And that's not where I'm going, okay? The reality of those situations is spoken of in the Bible, but I believe we've also had a, a great misunderstanding in the Christian community, community of what exactly they look like. Um, and there's a whole lot more spoken of outside of what I'm going to refer to as the spectacular, okay, and the clear. And so this is the, 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 the approach we want to take, guys, that we need to have our eyes open to this reality. The second thing, guys, we want to talk about is I need to recognize and resist the enemy's schemes. Guys, I believe that the main purpose of us seeing the unseen realm is so that we understand what God wants, and we understand how the enemy tries to keep us from it. And to that end, uh, we want to look at uh, the life of, of, of one man in the Old Testament that I commonly refer to as a case study on the influence of our enemy. And I believe God has given it to us in, in very clear form for that purpose. The back, yeah, and, and I just want to reemphasize what I said earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 is and Paul's talking about forgiveness in this passage but he says in order that Satan might not outwit us okay stop right there we need to realize that Satan has the power to outwit us to deceive us and that's his main weapon by the way he says for we are not unaware of his schemes so I ask you before we go any farther do you know what the devil's scheme is for you do you know what methods he uses on you? Now in this passage, lack of forgiveness is a scheme, is a scheme that the devil was potentially going to use. And they were aware of it, so they were trying to head it off. How does the enemy try to deceive you? Personally, do you know? It's my goal and my prayer that if you don't know right now, your eyes will be open to learning it. But that you first have to ex acknowledge the existence of the unseen world and you have to desire, you have to go looking for, seeking to understand both God and the enemy's schemes. And so what we're going to look at is a, is a case study uh, on the influence of our enemy. It's found in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. There are several passages that are in the notes in 1 Samuel 16, 18, and 19. I encourage you to go back and read the whole story yourself. Uh, because there's so much there. I'm going to reference the vast majority of it here today. And uh, God's given you the Bible so you can look and seek it in your own and not just trust me. <laughs> um, but guys, here's, the, here's what I see. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, this is what it says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not Give the devil a foothold. Now that's one of those passages that I've known my whole life that you just kind of brushed over. And it was several years ago 
Uh, there's a book by a name, man by the name of Joe Beam that's actually entitled Seeing the Unseen. I highly recommend it. Now, he wrote it back in the 90s, the early 90s, and he, I believe he's updated that, revised it. Um, but what's this idea of giving the devil a foothold? Well, when you go back to look at the original Greek language that the Bible was, was written in, it's talking about a place, and more specifically, a place of influence. And if you want to draw a picture of it, the devil, you can give the devil an open door to come in, dare I say, a room in your mind where he has free access to come in and exercise extreme influence in your life. Now, if that sounds scary, it should. Now, really, what I think really sounds scary is because his main weapon is deceptiveness. And he can deceive us into not even seeing it or denying that it exists there. And we want to look at this, guys. This story of King Saul in the Old Testament, uh, we want to talk about. And King Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, the Israelites said, we want a king. And God said, no, you don't want a king. Samuel the prophet said, no, you don't want a king. And they said, yes, we want a king so we can be like the other nations. Side note, especially to parents, we need to resist our kids' desire to be like the world. And I speak from a, as a parent who's made that mistake. We want to resist. We want to teach them to not want to be like the world. But anyway, God gets out of the way. He says, fine, I'll give you a king. And King Saul is their king. And they said he was humble. And it's how he started out. He was very humble. And the Spirit of God was upon him. And he was doing God's work. But the Bible is very plain that at some point in time, he allowed his fears to overtake his faith. He began to take action based off his fears. I encourage you to go back and read the story yourself. It's, it's plain as day. We are either going to live by fear, which is going to open the door wide, for the enemy uh, to attack us. Alan, you were, I'm sorry. We're going to open the, the door wide for the enemy to have influence, as we've talked about, or we're going to live by faith. And guys, when your eyes are open to the unseen realm, I believe you'll see this, this opportunity to live by faith more clearly. You'll be tempted so give in to your fears and you'll see what living by faith really looks like. But that's what Saul did. Saul made the wrong choice. He decided to give his fears more validation than they should. He was afraid of, of, of not being king. He was afraid of somebody else coming over and taking his kingship. He was afraid of his son not inheriting his throne. Specifically, he was, he was concerned about David taking over his throne, which... He should be, because God had already decided that David was going to take over his throne. But you see this, this fear and this paranoia and what we would call insecurity, and it immobilized him. And all of a sudden it says in, uh, in one of the passages, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is what it says. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. 
Guys, now, what I just described, and like I said, I, I, I beg you to go back and read it yourself. If you think I'm wrong, talk to me about it. I'm happy to have that discussion. would love to have that discussion. You see Saul choosing to live by fear instead of live by faith. And I believe that is the reason why the Spirit of the Lord departed from him and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. That's what I believe is going on here. I mean, the Bible says that's what's happened. But it goes on, it says, Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. Physical solution to a spiritual problem will only have temporary results. We'll go on. In 1 Samuel 18, we see this playing out. Saul was very angry. This refrain... Let me back up. I'm sorry. This passage follows David killing Goliath. And as they came back into the town, the young ladies are singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was mad. Because they credited him with killing thousands and David with tens of thousands. And it says, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Now guys, I want to I I paint this picture very, 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 very clearly. And I want to draw a connection back. I don't, you may have already made the connection or not. But the verse we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 said, don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give your devil, the devil a foothold. And I described that foothold as an open door to a room of extreme influence in, in our minds and in how we act. Is that not exactly what happened here? Saul's angry. The evil spirit comes forcefully in and exercise extreme influence. And let's, 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 let's paint this clear. It says he was prophesying. Now, I don't know ex the full extent of that, but you normally associate prophesying as godly behavior. Okay? In the middle of godly behavior, perhaps even doing something, he can say, I'm pleasing to the Lord when I do this. The devil exercised extreme influence. You see that, guys? That open door of extreme influence exists. It goes on in 1 Samuel 19, verses 8 through 10. It says, Once more war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul, as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand while David was playing the lyre. 
Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him and Saul drove the spear into the wall that night. David made good his escape. Guys, it's plain, it's, it, I believe it's plain as day what's going on here. And you can see it. And the Bible tells us in both Romans and 1 Corinthians that stories such as this are there for our, our learning, our warning, and our encouragement. And guys, we need to take warning from this. Okay, and I'm, I've already, I don't know, some things I just didn't have my notes to talk about, but I'm going to talk about, is that if Saul would have trusted his religious activity alone, as he did, he had no power over this evil spirit. He had no power over the enemy's influence in his life. So the first thing you need to look at, guys, we can't trust just what we're doing alone. The devil will interpret that. The devil will, can deceive us. The devil can overpower that if we've given him a foothold. Uh, the second thing, guys, is that we need, to, we need to talk about and realize is that this playing music made this evil spirit leave him. I don't remember if we read that passage, but that was their plan of attack. So this evil spirit is tormenting you. Let's find somebody to play music. And basically you'll calm down, you'll chill, and the evil spirit will lose. It, which tells us, at least in that situation, evil spirits, for influence, they need us to be emotionally worked up. Okay? Because calming him down worked. The problem was, it was a temporary fix. All it did was calm him down. And so guys, three quick lessons from Saul, and I've talked about some of these already. One of them is that spiritual problems require spiritual answers. The playing of music was a short-term fix for what was going on with Saul. All right? Um, and we have, if my point in bringing this up is if we do not recognize and understand the reality of the spiritual realm, we will look only to worldly solutions, to physical solutions. Okay? I'm, I'm going to talk very briefly here in a moment about the power that God gives us to overcome this, and we don't need to fear this. God hasn't left us defenseless in this situation. But we have to recognize and understand the unseen world and how it influences us and the powers that are available or we'll only seek a physical slash worldly solution. Second thing, guys, and I'm going to take a bold step here, but if I'm being tormented, I'm being influenced by the enemy. If I'm being tormented, let me make it more plain, I'm listening to the enemy. I know that's a strong statement because I believe there's a lot of good Christian folks who are tormented. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 18, specifically with regards to forgiveness. And what he had to say was, he tells a story about forgiveness, and he, he says in the same way that anybody who doesn't forgive somebody from the heart, God's going to treat them the way the unforgiving man in the story 
was turned over to the jailer to be tortured, tormented. And guys, we have so many, I, I see this all the time, I deal with it all the time in my own life. I regularly face this idea or have to talk down, whatever you want to say, this, this tormenting of the enemy. The enemy knows how to get to me. In my struggle with depression, I learned that loneliness was a trigger for my, uh, for my depression. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, uh, what we read about here in Saul. I have with my depression. Other things as well, but I, I've always been fascinated by the fact that the evil spirit came on him violently, forcefully, as it's described in the different translations. Have you ever felt that way? If you're going along, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, that one person says something, and boom, you're mad. Or boom, you're lonely. Or boom, you feel worthless. You feel attacked. You feel hopeless. Because that's an attack of the enemy, is really what it is. And I encourage you guys that in those situations, if you do that, if, to help you recognize those, ask yourself, if, you're, if you have something that goes, is this what Gary's talking about being tormented? Is this, what, is this what King Saul was like? Am I being tormented here? Ask yourself the, about this strong emotion you're feeling and ask yourself the question, is this feeling coming from God? Is God want me to feel, me fill in the blank, angry, lonely, depressed? Worthless? Hopeless? You see, I believe in most of those situations, it is not coming from God. And when we recognize it's not from God, first of all, we need to go, then I don't have a right to it. But secondly, guys, we need to start looking to God for the solution. I've said earlier, and again, this is one of those follow-up discussions, God has not left us helpless, powerless. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 that we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hmm. Would a foothold be a stronghold? He's given us divine power to do that. He tells us in one of the most simple ways, I believe it's in the no, it's in 1 Peter, to resist, no, it's in James. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sadly, too much of my life, I haven't resisted the devil. I've entertained him. I've sat him down and listened to him. And Father, you, guys, you simply resist by drawing close to God. You, instead of focusing on what you decide is from the, 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 from the devil, you choose to focus on what is clearly from God. In the, in the story of Matthew, 20, or Matthew 18 that Jesus told, tormenting was from the devil. Offering forgiveness to someone who may not deserve it is from God. So you focus on that. Third thing, guys, that we can learn from this situation is that blaming blinds me to the solution. And I didn't read about this. I didn't talk about this. Again, you go back and look at the life of Saul and you will see him blaming other people for his problems. Blaming other people for his decisions. 
And guys, I just want to throw it out there. Whenever we're blaming somebody, we need to realize we're blinding or choosing to be blind to the situation. And I believe that's one of the schemes that the devil uses in our individual lives. I don't care who you're blaming. We have lots of targets of who to blame, don't we? Let's start with, if you're married, blaming your spouse may be your first one. Been there, guilty of that. How about let's go next? Who would you blame next? Oh, I'd blame my boss at work. That's another good one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might blame who's ever in power, what political officer is in power, president, governor, whoever. Yeah, let's blame them for what's going on. You see, guys, whenever you're blaming somebody, you're, make, you're choosing powerless to be powerless. And that's not from God. God has promised us great power in dealing with the enemy. Guys, today, as, we, as we've talked about this, I know I've spoken, I've, I've taken a wide, wide-angle lens to this. I've spoken very broadly. I haven't provided in-depth, detailed, textual support uh, for the things I've said. But I encourage you to, to dig into these on your own. I encourage you, I believe God wants you to dig into these thoughts on your own. As I said, Alan and I are going to be having a discussion uh, group uh, to be made available. If anybody wants to look at this in a more in-depth way on what this looks like and how it plays out in a practical way. Um, I encourage you to, 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 to read about it on your own, to dig about it on your own. Folks, the tr- because the unseen realm is real, our enemy is real, his influence can be powerful. And if we don't recognize, we will in all likelihood not fight the enemy or instead we'll fight each other. It's my prayer today that each of us can begin and continue to see the unseen realm for what it is and live faithfully as a result. Let's pray. Father, it is my desire, it is my will to clearly see this unseen realm and to live by it. Father, it is my prayer right now for anyone hearing this, anyone who claims the name of Christ, claims to be a follower and claims Him as their Savior, to see the reality and to live accordingly. Father, to truly resist the devil, to truly display the powers that You have given to us to overcome the challenges that this world presents. Father, that is my prayer. Father, I pray that this can be all our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask it. Amen.